Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.54 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 25th of March, 2021, and this is Bitcoin and what a bloodbath. In fact, and this is episode, what is it, 387 of Bitcoin and God, what a bloodbath. Why was there such a bloodbath? Because Bitcoin is for enemies, dudes. Bitcoin is for enemies. We say that shit, and then when we get our asses handed to us, we need to remember what Bitcoin for enemies actually means, because uh, it's not always pretty. And last night was not pretty. If you're just waking up to a bloodbath, going on we're gonna talk about what happened but first but first i sat down with untapped growth um he's blowing up and it was really cool that uh he sat down with me yesterday to do an interview that was sort of like it was we were gonna plan we were planning on doing an interview and then we had like a a mate we sat down to do it and had a major equipment malfunction um or a tech malfunction in general so we kind of had to like get our minds around it. And a day later, uh, we finally sat down on a Zoom call, which I had never used and, and recorded damn near two hours. All right. So that is not going to come to you today. Okay. That we're just going to, we're going to do regular news like we always do uh, when untapped growth and uh, when he wrangles his cows up and, and gets all that shit straight, he's going to tell me when to pull the trigger. When he, when he says pull the trigger, it will drop and, and we'll, we'll announce it so that you'll know when, when that interview drops. But it was, it was, I had a really good time because we got to totally nerd out on regenerative agriculture, cattle, grass, pasture health, soil. I mean, all kinds of neat stuff. Gut health. Uh, we kind of got off into the weeds on, on a couple of things. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, probably do some very light editing because it was like a, it ended up being a Zoom test that turned into a two-hour conversation. Yeah, test <laughs> quotation marks. We were really just trying to see if this shit was going to work for us, and next thing I know, we start talking about bees and pollen and all kinds of neat stuff, and of course, Bitcoin, of course. So let's get into the uh, this. We're gonna I'm gonna extend a little bit of reporting before we get into the bloodbath shit on the Breeze Bitcoin wallet and its addition uh, of adding podcasting. Okay, so let's let's read this one. It's from Andrew Asmakov out of Decrypt.co. <clears throat> Podcasts on blockchain. Breeze Bitcoin wallet integrates podcasts on Lightning. Yeah, of course, I told y'all about this, you know, a couple of times, but this, this issue of podcasting 2.0 cannot be put to bed and it really needs to be examined hard. Okay, that's why I'm doing this again. It's not it's not the same article. It's a, it's a different take on it, but I I think it's important enough that that I just don't want to let it get out of the news. 
Bitcoin wallet and payment services provider Breeze has integrated a podcast streaming feature supported by Lightning Network. Breeze wants to make it possible to stream payments the same way people stream media and beat fiat at its own game. <coughs> According to the company's blog post, a player within a self-hosted Lightning node will let listeners stream Satoshis to their favorite podcasters. Content creators in their turn will have the same kind of freedom, autonomy, and sovereignty that the corner store already enjoys. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's your podcasting bodega. Lightning Network is a decentralized system of smart contracts built as a second layer on top of Bitcoin and several other proof-of-work cryptocurrencies. It enables instant and custodian-free micropayments across a network of participants with near-zero fees. By utilizing Lightning Network, Breeze hopes to overhaul the legacy podcasting industry currently dominated by centralized third- or even fourth-party advertisers. The problem is not just that those services take large portions of podcasters' ad revenue. The platforms that offer podcasting services can put restrictions on content as well, further limiting creators' creativity and independence. Yeah, fuck those guys. Among such examples, Breeze has pointed to last year's $100 million exclusive deal <clears throat> between Joe Rogan and Spotify, with the latter accused of censoring the comedian's content in other instances. Apple has given in to government pressure, removing podcasting apps from its Chinese app store. On top of that, Spotify gives podcasters the option of paying to promote their shows to listeners, potentially skewing the market in favor of those with very deep pockets. Breeze is aiming to fix these problems by creating a podcasting ecosystem supported by Lightning Network, the Israeli, sorry, the Israeli-based company wants podcast creators to become self-sufficient self-monetized, and ultimately censorship-resistant. According to Breeze, quote, Lightning lets podcasters receive payment directly from their listeners without being subject to any intermediary's shakedown scam. It obviates platforms, banks, and advertisers, end quote. Breeze will be hoping that podcasting 2.0 is a breath of fresh air for the industry and will harken back to the early days of podcasting, which originated as a way for people to share information directly, bypassing any corporate intermediaries. All right, so that's that's that particular article. Now, not to jump into the bloodbath just yet. I want to, to like yesterday I said something about uh, inbound liquidity and, and my lack of having it on my lightning node. And now I have four inbound liquidity channels, thanks to all of you guys that either listened to the podcast and, and offered. I actually had somebody reach out to me uh, through LinkedIn to offer me up an inbound liquidity channel, and that opened up. And a couple of people through Telegram said, hey, well, what, you know, like I, I just had basically asked them, and they said, dude, what's your pub key? And next thing I know, I got four inbound liquidity channels that basically dwarf my outbound liquidity channel. So what happened after that? The second that I got inbound liquidity, the very second that I got inbound liquidity, dudes, people started streaming me sats. And I'm, I, because I, I had gone through the steps of putting, uh, putting my RSS feed into podcast wallet website to get the value block. And now I've got that XML value block and all of a sudden, or and I, I basically gave that you know to the places that it needed to go, except except for SoundCloud because they don't allow you to edit your RSS feed. But yet, nonetheless, even without SoundCloud, people are streaming me sats. 
I've got a list of invoices. I mean, like, like I went from like having two or three, you know, incoming lightning invoices that were God only know, like from 2020 or something like that to having a, like, I don't know, I don't have my ride the lightning up, but like hundreds of invoices for like four, three, 17, 47. There's a couple in there for like a hundred Satoshis. It's, I cannot tell you how amazing it is to see that because people are giving me value and I'm not having to ask visa permission. I'm not having to go wrangle down and make a 1-800 phone call and sit through 30 minutes of Audix music and, and all, you know, Muzak and shit like that to talk to somebody to figure out how I can get paid. And nobody's going to be able to take those channels away from me. No, I mean, yeah, I'm sure somebody's going wait till the government bans it. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if I'm not sure just how smart of a move that's going to be. Uh, they're, you know, they may be evil and maniacal, but they ain't stupid either. All right, so I'm just saying that once I got inbound liquidity, this podcasting 2.0 thing works like a charm. It's it's wild to see. I'll just like, like I was just sitting there yesterday looking at ride the lightning and just watching invoices come in. I'm like, Holy shit, dude, this shit really works. So the here's, here's the thing go to podcast index. And I think these are, these are either dot orgs or dot coms. I can't remember. And I'm not going to go look it up. It, this is Adam Curry. Okay. This is basically Adam Curry and his crew and what, what is spawning out of what they've been doing over the last couple of years. So it's podcast index and just, just go there and figure out what to do. Okay. Just figure out where to get, what information it's, it's showing you read and try to figure it out. Go down that rabbit hole podcast wallet, go to it. It's either.com or.org find it. Okay. Start making the informational ecosystem of podcasting 2.0 work in your favor, right? I can't, I mean, I'm still trying to figure all this shit out myself. I'm surprised that, that I got what I've, what I have figured out. I'm surprised that I got it figured out. It's actually not all that bad. Yes. The landscape is confusing. Yes. The ecosystem is, is pretty messy. What do you expect? This is life. Life is chaos, man. Embrace that shit. Just like Goldman Sachs is embracing an offer to offer a note tied to an ETF capable of investing in Bitcoin. Because the SEC is dragging their ass, everybody and their dog is trying to figure out any regulatory pressure release valve they can to get exposure to this asset. All right, that's what this shit means. Casey's writing it for Bitcoin Magazine, by the way. Goldman Sachs has filed a note with the U.S. Securities Exchange and Commission uh, regarding the ARK Innovation ETF, an exchange-traded ETF fund capable of investing in Bitcoin and Bitcoin-adjacent technologies. The note says, quote, the ETF is an actively managed managed exchange traded fund that will invest under normal circumstances primarily, which is at least 65% of its assets in domestic and foreign equity securities of companies that are relevant to the ETF's investment theme of disruptive innovation. According to the filing, the disruptive innovation line hints at the potential investment in Bitcoin that is further described in the filing quote, the ETF may have exposure to cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin indirectly, 
through an investment in a grantor trust. <clears throat> the ETF's exposure to cryptocurrency may change over time, and accordingly, such exposure may not always be represented in the ETF's portfolio, end quote. The note makes it increasingly apparent that Bitcoin is considered an investment-grade asset. As large institutions like Goldman Sachs include financial instruments involving Bitcoin in their portfolio, traditional financial figures' perceptions of Bitcoin changes. The filing also describes that companies otherwise involved in the fintech innovation industry may be components of the ETF offered by the note. This, too, potentially serves to bolster Bitcoin's place in the traditional financial world as companies in the industry became, become major investment opportunities. Okay, well, that's great. That's just awesome. But Bitcoin crash or cash hits new lows versus Bitcoin after Tesla snubs its fork products. Here we go. We're just starting to get off into the weeds and all this bullshit that happened yesterday. So William Suberg tells us about this one from Cointelegraph. Uh, controversial Bitcoin spinoff, and it is a spinoff. Uh, Bitcoin Cash has hit all-time lows. Brent, fresh, fresh off the bakery floor, man. New all-time lows against parent Bitcoin after Tesla publicly rejected using it for payments. In a series of tweets on March 24th, CEO and techno king Elon Musk confirmed that U.S. customers could now buy Tesla using BTC, but his company shunned fork products such as BCH. Bitcoin Cash <clears throat> spun off from Bitcoin uh, in August of 2017 and has since remained a controversial entity within cryptocurrency. Proponents claim supremacy over Bitcoin thanks to BCH fees being far lower, <clears throat> while transactions also tend to take less time to clear and require fewer resources. Yes, because nobody's using it. The narrative has taken various forms over the years with advocacy ranging from passive to belligerent as the BCH slash BTC continues to pl plug new lows. On Wednesday, BCH hodlers received less than 1% of a Bitcoin, 0.089 BTC per one BCH for the very first time ever. Tesla's Bitcoin acceptance move appeared to drive the downturn. Support documentation originally singled out BCH and fellow Bitcoin Cash hard fork BSV as being unsuitable for payment. Quote, you may not make purchases with us using any other digital asset, including Bitcoin fork products such as Bitcoin Cash and BSV, the company stated. Quote, our Bitcoin digital wallet is not configured to detect or receive digital assets other than Bitcoin, end quote. The, uh, the, the phrasing jarred with BCH hodlers who frequently tout the altcoin as being the real Bitcoin. Among them was ScammerKim.com. Of course, they spelt scammer entrepreneur here, but scammer all the same, who took Musk to task about the snub. Quote, try and buy a soda with Bitcoin, he tweeted indignantly, end quote. Tesla has already removed the content, simply warning buyers not to send any other cryptocurrency to a BTC address other than Bitcoin itself. This was not enough to extinguish the heated debate, however, as rival supporters sparred over what is a perennial source of anguish. Quote, Satoshi didn't envision Bitcoin as a new class of bank controlled by the same corrupt power structures as our current financial system, .com continued. Quote, custodial solutions like Lightning are not changing our broken system. 
Users must control the keys to their digital money, not third parties. Jesus Christ, Ken. Musk, Musk responded with characteristic nonchalance, saying .com had a fair point regarding transaction fees while also taking note of a proposal to accept Dogecoin. <laughs> Jesus, he's just a big troll, bro. Bitcoiners argue that BCH is all but worthless versus Bitcoin despite its lower fees. This is due to the latter surviving multiple tests of its blockchain while still maintaining an unblemished 12-year history of proof of work. BCH, by contrast, has yet to do the same, and with its hash rate steadily falling against BTC, its cheap usage costs increasingly come at the expense of both security and usefulness as a store of value. As Cointelegraph reported, so-called Layer 2 solutions, such as the Lightning Network, while criticized by .com, are designed to move the majority of BTC transactions off-chain, reducing fees and transaction times to near zero. BCH, meanwhile, faces other problems. It's declining price, pushing it out of the top 10 cryptocurrencies by market this year. Jesus, Roger's not even in the top 10 anymore. Oh, man. Lordy. Okay, so basically, however, that kind of started... That was... That kind of started the bloodbath, right? It, it, it's not that it started the bloodbath. It didn't have anything to do with it. It was just, that's one of the things that I see about, about you know, I've been here for a while. And I see these weird natural cycles occur. And yesterday was one of these natural cycles. And we saw a massive sell-off, right? Um, again, if you're just waking up, if you're just hearing this, for the first time and you haven't looked at the charts, don't bother. We're at like $52,000, okay? So just take it on the chin, walk on down the road because this shit always happens. This is the third correction for this particular bull market as far as I can tell. And last bull market, we had something like eight. Like, I think there was like eight, 12 to 30% drawdowns over the course of the last bull run. We're on number three, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, all right? Uh, Martin Young tells us about part of this correction from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin market cap back below one trillion as correction deepens. As Bitcoin markets begin to form another daily red candle, its market capitalization has now fallen back below $100 trillion once again. The third major correction in the bull market is deepening the prices and are already down 12.5% from their all-time high of 60,100 on March the 13th. According to CoinGecko, the BTC market cap is currently $980 billion. That's right, that's a billion with a B. We're no longer in the trillion dollar mark. Wee wee. Having dropped to 140 billion over the past seven days since, what, last Thursday, March 18th. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's okay if you feel that way. It really is. I, I understand. Believe me. I, under, I understand. But I hate it when this shit happens. According to CoinGecko, the BTC market cap... Oh, I'm sorry. The move comes just a few days after analyst Willie Wu predicted that its total capitalization, you guessed it, would not fall back below these levels again, echoing HODL or not. Okay? Quote, one trillion is already strongly supported by investors. I'd say there's a fair chance... We'll never see Bitcoin below $1 trillion again. Whenever you do that, when you say Bitcoin will never insert whatever X here, 
Expect Bitcoin to do that within days of you making stupid remarks like that. Okay, stop doing that shit. You're just inviting karma to come bitch slap you, okay? It's just stop. Just stop it. The BTC market cap first surpassed a trillion dollars on February 19th, but did not remain there long, falling back below it just, you know, in four days. The second time it topped 10 figures was on March the 9th, and it remained above that milestone until today's slump. The total market capitalization for the entire crypto ecosystem is $1.65 trillion, according to CoinGecko, and has fallen by 9.8%, or $180 billion since Monday, March the 22nd. Profit-taking could be a big factor in this pullback, as suggested by analyst Josh Rager, <clears throat> who stated that unrealized profits are not realized until they are in the bank. What, in the bank so they can just melt? Because we're gonna we're about we're about to rip another three trillion dollars in money printing, guys. I'm not sure if this is actually the smartest move in this environment. So, but whatever. In reference to MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor, whose firm has been buying a lot of Bitcoin this year, he added, "quote Don't try to act like Saylor won't take profits eventually, because he will, along with every other fund on the planet, and then they'll buy back lower." End quote. And there's some truth to that, okay? You should probably expect that shit. As reported by Cointelegraph, there has been a number of signals that the pullback could continue. Analytics provider Glassnode used the risk reserve metric, which assesses that confidence of long-term hodlers relative to the price of Bitcoin to suggest conditions are similar to the second half or later stages of a bull market. CryptoQuant, meanwhile, analyzed BTC flows to and from exchanges to predict that it would take some time to get another leg up in terms of demand or supply. At the time of writing, Bitcoin was trading down 3.6% on the day at $52,350 as the FUD begins to seep back into the ecosystem. It's the, this cycle, the, the, this particular kind of cycle, okay, is evolving. Bitcoin is a living critter. And like, if, if you haven't figured that one out yet, you need to get you need to wrap your mind around the fact that we're not dealing with an instrument. We're not dealing with an invention. Like Michelangelo used to say that he was just merely freeing the form from a block of granite when he was making sculptures. That he knew it was in there. He just had to get that form out. What did Satoshi do? Did he invent Bitcoin? Did he discover Bitcoin? I honestly think he accidentally rolled back a rock of a cave and the fucking Leviathan came out and is now doing what Leviathans do. They're going to make a mess. Okay. You just have to, you got to get out of its way, honestly, and try to attach yourself to it because the sheer power of a Leviathan as it comes out of its cave and starts waking up is a thing to behold, believe me. Right, I've never seen anything like this. I don't. None of us have, and I don't think anybody in the '50s ever even saw this. And that even regards World War II. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything that can affect the every single square inch of the planet all at the same time. But is that? I mean, is it just merely profit taking in this in this regard of selling off that's causing this this red big red dildo? No. Futures, my friend. Bitcoin is for enemies and it's also for derivative products like futures. And here's where the real meat is, okay? Bitcoin traders brace for record $6 billion in options to expire on Friday. This is the market speaking. Right? You just have to listen to what it's telling you, all right? 
And I keep forgetting about this because this is not only is it that we've gone through, you know, options, you know, expiry before. Okay. So this is nothing new, but this is also the end of quarter one. All right. People are want are going to want to show shit on their balance sheets and they invest in options and all kinds of stuff. So let's get into this one. This is written by Amkar Godbol from Coindesk. They call it Max Payne in the Bitcoin options market. How to make one's trading counterparty suffer the most. Oh my God. Although the largest cryptocurrency was changing hands Wednesday at around 56,500, traders were handicapping the odds of a plunge to about $44,000 by Friday when a record $6 billion of options contracts is set to expire. A drop to that price level would inflict max pain on buyers of options contracts, and it might be the most profitable price point for option sellers. It's a remote risk, but not one to be discounted. The max pain theory states that this market will gravitate toward the pain point while heading into the expiry. That's because sellers, typically institutions or sophisticated traders with ample capital supply, often try to push the price toward the max pain point by buying or selling the asset on spot or futures markets. The bullish spin is that if Bitcoin makes it through Friday without a major correction, a major, a major overhang will be lifted. And they're talking about a bear overhang. A bear market overhang. Quote, Max Payne is, or Max Payne for the March 26th expiry is currently $44,000 on Deribit. Luke Strezers, CCO of Deribit, the world's largest crypto options exchange by trading volumes and open positions, told Coindesk, quote, that does not mean that the market will move to $44,000 by the end of this week, but it does imply that after Friday, this potential downward pressure no longer exists. End quote. Max Payne is calculated by adding the outstanding put and call dollar value of each in the money strike price, uh, <clears throat> which is an ITM. <clears throat> an ITM call is one where the strike price is below the spot market price, while a put is considered ITM when the spot market price is below the put options strike price. No, believe me, I, I don't get it either, guys, but if you're listening and you understand what the hell that was, reach out to me. Tell me what the hell that was because I'm not an options trader, so I'm not good at this stuff. I'm just doing this as a public service here, pal. A potential unwinding of trades as Friday's expiry approaches may inject some volatility into the market, according to Pankaj Balani, co-founder and CEO of Delta Exchange. Carry trading or cash and carry arbitrage is a market neutral strategy that seeks to profit from increasing and decreasing prices in one or more markets. <clears throat> it involves buying the asset in the spot market and simultaneously selling futures contracts or contract against it when the futures contract is trading at a significant premium to the spot price. That way, savvy traders can lock in fixed returns as the futures price converges with the spot price on the day of expiry. Quote, we also saw a lot of carry trades this expiry as the futures premium expanded from 15 to 25% per annum earlier this year, Bolani said, adding that 60% of the short futures positions opened in carry trades are yet to be rolled over to the April expiry. Rolling over short futures means carrying over bearish positions from the current expiry to the next month. The rollover, however, may not happen if the futures premium shrinks in the next two days. In simple words, carry trades will be squared off. 
Short futures positions will be squared off or allowed to expire, and the long positions held in the spot market could be dumped, leading to increased price volatility. Quote, if the premium on futures shrinks, then we can see the unwinding of the carry trade, which can increase short-term volatility on expiry day, Balani told Coindesk in a WhatsApp call. Further quote, traders have sold puts much more aggressively in this expiry, Balani said, adding that if the market starts falling due to some reason, these short put positions will be squared off. That would add a bearish pressure around the cryptocurrency ahead of the expiry. All right, so a lot of that, yes, I get. But some of the technical details, I like, I don't do put, I don't do call. But what we're getting at here is that, honestly, I consider all, like if you're not holding the underlying uh, product, what you're holding is a derivative. A futures contract on Bitcoin is not Bitcoin. You do not hold the asset. In a way, I guess you kind of do, but you're not, it's, it's not about the asset the, the native asset value of hodling Bitcoin yourself with your own private keys without anybody involved, all right? When we say Bitcoin is for enemies, this is exactly one of the things that we're talking about. It's not just a bad guy can use Bitcoin like to do bad things like, I don't know, plan a bank robbery, okay? That, that's not all it means to say that Bitcoin is for enemies. Bitcoin is for traders. They're the enemy too, because these assholes are going to walk around and they're going to do futures contracts and they're going to do futures on futures contracts and they're going to find anything that they can, honestly, to be able to make a profit, whether it undermines the, the asset value itself, like uh, the price, the native price of Bitcoin or not. They don't give a shit. They, they don't care. That's why Bitcoin is for enemies. It is, it, it, it is its own thing. And you can't control it. And if you're out there screaming that they should make options trading illegal on Bitcoin, stop. A, because that's never going to happen. And B, you're not in the right mindset. Right? Hodling is hard. And this is one of the things that makes it hard. So what do you do in times like these? You sit down and you record your fucking podcast and you stop bitching and crying. Let's run the numbers. cnbc.com forward slash futures and markets. <clears throat> Energy futures are down. They're not wiped out, but they are down. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down by 1.7% to $60.14 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate. Brent is down almost 1.5%. It's coming in at $63.50 for a barrel of that. Natural gas is down only 0.4%. Uh, $2.50 is going to get you 1,000 cubic feet of that. Gold, eh, not so bad. It's down 0 0.087. It comes in at $1,731. Silver getting a little bit more pounded than gold. It's down by damn near 1%. Uh, it's coming in right at 25 bucks. Platinum is down 0.6%. Copper getting, getting freaking hammered. You want to talk about a hammered copper pan. It's down 2.12% at the time. Palladium is the only shiny metal rock that has anything at all, and it's a 0.2 increase percent to the upside. 
Let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, oh, live cattle and lean hogs are unchanged, if you're interested in that. The indices say meh. Dow futures up 0.1%. S&P up 0.1%. NASDAQ futures up 0.25%. And the S&P mini is up 0.1%. Interest rates on bonds are damn near flat. In fact, four of the five indicators I'm looking at are unchanged completely unchanged. There's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm sure there's somebody's probably waiting on somebody somewhere to say something in some meeting before they do something, because this is as flat as I've ever seen the bond market. 30-year futures is the only change. It's to the upside by 0.02%. So there you go. Let's talk about real money. Real money. I know. We took a bath yesterday. It's okay. We're still at $53,000. Think about it, guys. If you were if you went through the 2017-2018 peak and then bear, and and you're freaked out about this, you need to get stand in front of a mirror, use your left hand to, to hold your collar, and then use your right hand to slap the shit out of yourself while you watch your sanity come back to you. Because if you bought something at 250 bucks and it's now worth fifty three thousand dollars after a 12% correction in a day and Peter Schiff is laughing at you, I think you need to get your priorities a little bit more straight, guys. Come on. $53,035.55. Is that my high? In fact, that is. No, that is not my high. My high is at Coinbase Pro at $53,125. And my low is going to be over at, what, Bitfinex, 52000 900, so it's you know, a fair amount of room there. 320,000 transactions served in the last 24 hours is about 13,336 transactions on average every hour. With 633,000 BTC being sent around the horn last night or over the last 24 hours, that means that there's 26,377 BTC on average being sent every hour. The average transaction value is 2 BTC, and the median transaction value is at 0.019 BTC, or right around $981. Block times are drifting back to normal. I'm sure that means that we've lost hash rate. We are at 9 minutes and 40 seconds. 0.59 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, and 88.49 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. Yes, in fact, we have, but we only have a 3% drop as far as bitinfocharts.com is concerned. We have 166.85 exahashes per second after that 3% drop. Your shitcoin index being Dogecoin is hanging at 5.2 cents. 5.2 cents is your shitcoin index, okay? So Clark Moody tells us that there are 36,500 transactions waiting to onboard 94 blocks to clear. In fact, we are under $1 trillion in market cap again. $984.5 billion is 8.76% of gold's total market cap. And now you can only get 30.4 ounces of shiny metal rock per one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,663,886.34 BTC in circulation at the current time. The total capacity of the Lightning Network is 1,167.43 BTC, and that has a value of $61.6 million. That is being run over 10,045 nodes, 
and 40,000, sorry, 40,669 channels. Tor capacity creeping up to 55.5% of the Lightning Network. So there are 647.66 BTC locked in the Tor side. Well, it's not, I mean, it's all kind of one, but the nodes that are running on th this portion of the Lightning Network are running over Tor. And that is number is 4,215 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one with what I like to call FUD watch. That's right. Along with bond or uh, futures and options expertise and people freaking out about Kim.com and Elon actually giving him the time of day, that fat scammer that he is, and all the NFT bullshit. We have Russia reportedly plans to track Bitcoin to fiat sales. So you need to be present or uh, uh, appraised of the ever-present FUD, and we begin it with this one. <coughs> Authorities in Russia are planning to track transactions involving the exchange of Bitcoin for rubles. According to a report from the local news agency Regnum, per the report, the country's deputy head of Moscow's financial monitoring services, Monitoring, Herman Neglide, announced the plan during a governmental meeting. God, that's a mouthful, dude. According to a translated version of the Regnum report, Neglade said that financial institutions in the country, like banks, have already begun to report transactions involving the exchange of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin for fiat currencies. Per the report, he said that banks have already begun to pay attention to exchange operations. That is, when they see that an operation has come after the exchange of virtual assets for hard currency, they have already begun to evaluate them and actually inform us about these operations, end quote. The government official also noted that the agency was collaborating with the country's central bank in creating a code that would allow these financial institutions to differentiate between legal and illegal transactions. This, he believes, would help the agencies and the banks to easily identify transactions that might be suspicious, of course. In a separate interview with another local media agency, TASS, Neglide hinted that this decision was being made because Bitcoin was being used to finance terrorism and other illegal activities in the country. He added that the agency had worked with other countries' financial surveillance agencies to gather the data used in arriving at that conclusion. So yes, we're all evil. We're all evil. Everything, everything that has ever been done with any monetary thing has been used to finance terrorism and child pornography. 100% of your coffee transaction has gone to terrorism, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because as citizenry of any country on the face of this fucking planet, you are the enemy. This shit needs to stop. It needs to stop, okay? I am not a bad person. I do not go out and finance terrorism, right? The fact that somebody else did doesn't mean that I could because I won't. I'm not gonna go do that shit. I got better fish to fry. And guess what? 99.999% of the people on this planet don't wanna have anything to do with that shit. The only people that wanna have anything at all to do with that shit is your government agency and the people that don't like them. I don't like our, my government, but I'm not going to get so far off into the weeds that I'm going to commit financial terrorism. 
this is ridiculous, people. I mean, the fact that I'm considered a, 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 an abject, horrible person that should already be in prison as before I'm even met by the people who consider me as such is a grave injustice to the human spirit, and it needs to stop. It really does. With more FUD, Wirex suspends registration for United Kingdom customers after FCA dialogue by Liam Frost from Decrypt.co. It says crypto-friendly digital payment platform Wirex today announced the temporary suspension of registration for new UK users following a, quote, constructive dialogue with the country's financial conduct authority, quote, Wirex has announced its decision to voluntarily pause new UK customers of its popular app as of the 24th of March, 2021. Wirex wrote, adding, quote, the pause is a temporary measure and follows constructive dialogue with the Financial Conduct Authority. Financial Conduct. Are you conducting yourself in a financially positive way? See, that just financial conduct, what the hell does financial conduct even mean? Starting today, UK residents will not be able to sign up for Wirex's services while the firm will focus on improving its fifth anti-money laundering directive or the AML, AMLD5 compliance procedures. The latter should help Wirex increase transparency in financial transactions, the firm added. According to the release, the FCA has made suggestions on how Wirex could change its existing operational procedures, which the firm intends to follow. Quote, we believe London is the capital of fintech and the FCA's recommendation will help us create a stable environment to operate in, said Pavel Mativ, co-founder and CEO of Wirex. He added that UK-based customers who still want to use the firm's app and multi-currency debit cards can join a waiting list while the suspension is active. The FCA has taken a hardline stance on some crypto products, imposing a ban on, crypt a ban on crypto derivatives for UK retail investors earlier this year. The regulator deemed crypto-based financial products ill-suited for retail customers due to the prevalence of financial crime, price volatility, and the lack of reliable valuations. Quote, this ban reflects how seriously we view the potential harm to retail consumers in these products, said Sheldon Mills, interim executive director of strategy and competition at the FCA last October, adding consumer protection is paramount here. Last December, Wirex became a principal member of Visa. This allowed the London-based company to issue Visa accounts and process transactions ahead of its U.S. launch. So again, you're, you know, obviously your coffee transaction is terrorist activity and, and you can't be allowed to do that shit. Now, FUD out of Ray Dalio, who says that there's a good probability of a United States Bitcoin ban. Here we go with the ban. Martin Young from Cointelegraph tells us that as the Bitcoin correction deepens, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt has returned with billionaire hedge fund manager Ray Dalio sucking, I'm, I'm sorry, I was about to say sucking off of what is obviously a market cycle that he can cannibalize. But what it really says is Ray Dalio is adding a whole bunch of FUD to the system. In an interview with Yahoo Finance's editor-in-chief on March the 24th, the co-founder of the $150 billion hedge fund Bridgewater Associates stated that there is a good probability that the United States government could ban Bitcoin just as it did with gold ownership in the 1930s. <coughs> Excuse me. That happened because government leaders at the time did not want gold to compete with fiat money and credit as a store of wealth. Dalio added, oh my God, that's not why they did it. They did it so they could print fiat. Dalio either knows that and is lying to you, 
or somehow or another, he accidentally made $150 billion. Because that's not what happened. The government leaders at the time didn't give a shit about gold competing with fiat money. They needed to get rid of gold so they could print all the fiat that they wanted, which started the printing presses running. Okay, that's when it started. Quote, they don't want other monies to be operating or competing because things can get out of control. Ooh, my coffee, tra- my coffee terrorist transaction, I guess is what he's asking about. So I think that it would be very likely that you will have it under a certain set of circumstances outlawed the way gold was outlawed. Dalio reminding us that we live in a tyrannical state, by the way. I'm just saying, okay. The billionaire hedge fund manager and philanthropist who called Bitcoin one hell of an invention and compared it to gold in January pointed out that India's government is already trying to ban Bitcoin and cryptocurrency trading in general. He added that he is not an expert, but asserted that it can be tracked and the government can work out who is dealing with it. Oh, God, this is, it's not even well thought out, FUD, dude. However, there was a little light at the end of Dalio's gloomy outlook when he acknowledged BTC has stood the test of time as an asset class. Quote, Bitcoin has proven itself over the last 10 years. It hasn't been hacked. It's by and large, therefore, worked on an operational basis. It has built a significant following. And it has, wait, it is an alternative, in a sense, a storehold of wealth. It's like digital cash. And those are the pluses, end quote. On March 16th, Dalio stated that the U.S. government could target those directing or ditching the dollar for Bitcoin as it becomes inhospitable to capitalism in preparation for shocking tax changes to tackle the national debt crisis. The comments come as Bitcoin's correction continues to deepen as signs that the bull market is entering its latter stages have emerged on chain. BTC is corrected by 13.5% from its all-time high of $60,000 to prices that are currently around 52 grand. Okay, Ray. Uh, you know, the, the, the misstep there of why gold was outlawed uh, is I, I, I can't just unsee that. From, from a guy named, you know, a guy like Ray Dalio, who you know knows better, to come out there and say that as a quote is disingenuous at best and misleading it worse. Okay. I mean, this, this, that, that is not true. They did not, they had no plans about, they, they didn't give a shit about the competition between gold and, and paper money. They needed their fiat to be as printable as printable can be. They needed to just be able to pull out reams of Xerox paper and run it through the money printer to fund whatever bullshit that they wanted to fund. Right. And, and the money printer has never stopped. It had nothing to do with competition. It had everything to do with the fact that they could not print against gold while gold was still actually being handled in the public sphere. All right. Now, could the U.S. ban it? Sure. Should they? No. In fact, if the United States wants to keep on top of the world's economy and basically run the world, then they would actually say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start stacking sats and we're going to start teaching our population how to do the same. Because everybody, everybody has the means in the United States, every citizen, every man, woman, and child had the means and resiliency on an individual basis, then nothing stops that country. Nothing stops it. Will they do it? I don't know. We got some really stupid people in, in places of power and not just the government. I mean, they're, they're industry cronies like Ray Dalio. You got to consider those guys at the top of the, the food chain too and like I said about this gold versus fiat, he's either lying to you 
or he accidentally made $150 billion because he's stupid. I, I don't know what else to say about that. Now, FUDWatch being over, Fidelity wants to launch its own Bitcoin ETF. Yes, yet another one. I do believe somebody told me in Twitter that this makes number eight of the ETFs that are waiting uh, approval and perusal by the SEC. Eight in the United States. Eight. Canada already has three that are open and Brazil just opened one. And that's just in the Western Hemisphere. We have eight sitting on a desk somewhere. Are they even reading these? I don't know. Will Gottenson is going to tell us more about it from Decrypt.co. Fidelity, one of the largest financial institutions in the world, is seeking approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission to launch a Bitcoin ETF according to a new filing with the SEC. The exchange-traded fund, which would allow retail investors to bet on the price of Bitcoin without the need to buy and store the cryptocurrency themselves, would be registered as the Wise Origin Bitcoin Trust, WOBT, W-O-B-T. This sounds like a radio station. <laughs> Fidelity Service Company uh, Incorporated would serve as the administrator and Fidelity Digital Assets would custody the physical Bitcoin underlying the ETF should it be approved. The SEC has yet to approve any Bitcoin ETF, though plenty of companies have filed for one. Gemini, the crypto services company owned by the Winklevi twin, has filed for multiple Bitcoin ETFs all the way back since 2013. Scaramucci Skybridge Capital just filed for one, and the asset manager Van Eck has been trying to launch one for years. Cryptocurrency investors have been clamoring for a Bitcoin ETF, and firms like Grayscale and Galaxy Digital offer similar crypto investment products that attempt to fill the need. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust ha now has over $36 billion in Bitcoin under management, though it's trading at a premium of minus 12%. Boy, they need to convert fast, bro. This proposed ETF isn't Fidelity's first foray into the world of crypto. Last year, the bank launched its first Bitcoin-only investment product in the form of the Wise Origin Bitcoin Index Fund Number 1. In a recent statement, Fidelity's Director of Global Macro said Bitcoin has a unique advantage over gold. So here we go. Yet another ETF hitting the desk of the SEC to do what? Oh, sit there and languish, I guess. While that's happening, NYDIG cuts Bitcoin fee to 0.3% for investors as Morgan Stanley opens the floodgates, says William Suber for Cointelegraph. The move, or sorry, uh, in a press release on March the 24th, the company confirmed that effective immediately, its access fee has been reduced to 0.3%. The move comes just days after NYDIG's FS Select NYDIG Bitcoin Fund became one of the three products selected by Morgan Stanley to be offered to its wealthy institutional clients. A potentially timely maneuver, the fee reduction may have consequences for competitors, notably the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, management fees of which currently cost clients 2%. Quote, NYDIG's new pricing structure is 50 to 75% lower than comparable passive Bitcoin access products available to investors and critically 0.3%. Yeah, 0.3% represents the true total expense ratio of the fund, including a big four audit and legal custody and accounting fees, the press release claims. As Cointelegraph reported, Competition for newcomers or from newcomers forms one explanation as why GBTC's premium has fallen into record negative territory this year. At one point, the premium offered a 15% discount to spot for shares in GBTC. As of March 16th, 
the most recent date for which data is available, it had recovered to around minus 5.3%. Continuing, NYDIG executives built on the sense of anticipation which CEO Robbie Gutman had established in a recent interview. Prior to the Morgan Stanley announcement, Gutman had revealed that the coming weeks would see a slew of game-changing adoption moves from the institutional sphere. Quote, expenses matter, and this will not be our last fee reduction, founder and executive chairman Ross Stevens commented in the release. Further, as Bitcoin sound money, advantages are more widely understood. I believe it is only a matter of time until U.S. dollar depreciation causes Bitcoin's market cap to surpass that of gold. So it is fittingly symbolic that NYDIG has now made the total cost of Bitcoin access 25% lower than the total cost of gold access, end quote. Gold has seen further slights from investors this week as CNBC host Jim Cramer conceded that the precious metals performance has disappointed him. Bitcoin, on the other hand, has made him a ton of money, he said. Uh, really wish they'd stop ta- talking about it that way. What it, what it, like, it didn't make you a ton of money. It made you the Bitcoin that you hold. All right. It do- Bitcoin doesn't really make you any more Bitcoin unless you have a Bitcoin business that accepts Bitcoin as payment. And at that point, we're, we're not talking about whether or not you made a ton of fiat. That's not important because we see what's happening in fiat. Fiat is dying in in almost every country in the world, i.e. Turkish lira. Dude, check that shit out if you don't know what's going on in Turkey. The Brazilian real? Uh, Check it out. The Argentinian peso? Go check it out. Venezuelan dollar or whatever it's called? Check it out. All this shit's trending to zero, especially in Bitcoin terms. But it's trending to zero in terms of its own fiat because they just keep printing money. Stop it, people. Just, just, it's, it's insane, bro. Bitcoin, re- oh, this is great. Bitcoin rewards app Lolly raises $5 million from Serena Williams, Alexis O'Hannon, and more, says Andrew Hayward for Decrypt.co. Oh, there's a nice little picture of Shia LaBeouf in there. I wonder if, oh, no, that's Alexis O'Hannon. My God, he looks a lot like Shia LaBeouf. Anybody heard from him lately? No. Lolly, a crypto startup that makes a web browser extension that allows shoppers to earn free Bitcoin in the form of cashback rewards, announced today that it had raised $5 million pre-Series A funding that included a, an array of well-known investors. 776, the venture capital firm founded by Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian, or Ohanian, I guess, led the round and additional funding from tennis pro Serena Williams, his partner, and her own Serena Ventures firm. Additional investors in the round includes influencers Casey Neistat, Philip DeFranco, and Cody Co, as well as Night Media, the management company of popular YouTube Jimmy YouTuber Jimmy McBeast Donaldson, who I've never heard of. Quote, I'm excited to announce my investment in Lolly, a company on a mission to make Bitcoin more accessible, said Williams in a release. Earning and owning Bitcoin is a step towards financial inclusivity for all people, end quote. Unlike other retail-facing Bitcoin apps that might rely on users spending Bitcoin to make money, which has proven difficult in the past, Lolly is in the affiliate business, and it claims to be doing pretty well for itself. The company rewards its more than 250,000 users with Bitcoin or U.S. dollars for shopping at over 1,000 supported online retailers, including Nike, eBay, Microsoft, and Sephora, according to Lolly head of communications Aubrey Strobel. (coughs) 
give Aubrey Strobel a uh, a follow on on Twitter because it always it always pisses uh, her boss off because she always has more followers than he does. Just that's just an aside. The firm earns affiliate commissions from partnered retailers for pointing users to their storefronts and then in turn gives a share of that commission, which is up to 30% of the purchase price at select retailers back to Lolly users in the form of Bitcoin. According to Lolly, it has so far awarded $3 million worth of Bitcoin rewards to users with an average reward of 7% of the purchase price. Quote, we're thrilled to be working with investors such as Alexis, Serena Williams, and Casey Neistat, who truly believe in Bitcoin, mass adoption, and financial inclusion. Lolly CEO and co-founder Alex Adelman told Decrypt. Also, quote, our investors provide large platforms that are used to help educate and inform their followers, making the conversation and the asset accessible to anyone. The firm previously raised $3 million seed round led by founder, what Founders Fund's Pathfinder. That round similarly included well-known investors, including Ashton Kutcher and Gaio Series Sound Ventures, beauty influencer Michelle Fan, Bain Capital, and Digital Currency Group. According to Adelman, the company will use the new fund funding to develop a fully-fledged mobile app and expand internationally beyond the United States. Lolly isn't the first business built on the back of retailer commissions, with Adelman pointing to Rakuten as an example, but he believes that the Bitcoin element will help the business scale substantially in the years ahead. Quote, we have made it better by offering Bitcoin rewards. Lolly is the easiest way to get Bitcoin, said Adelman, who noted some of its top retail partners and the rewards available to users. Quote, our top users have earned up to two Bitcoin more than $100,000 in value today. Holy shit, bro. Many have seen their Bitcoin rewards from Lolly grow over time to the point that they entirely pay for the original purchase. And that's not that's not a lie, man. Lolly's a really good service. You should go check them out. And at the what's that lolly.com? It's uh if if I'm wrong about that, go to Twitter. It's at try lolly all one word. T R Y L O L L I. I just just go hang out with them. They're actually pretty cool, pretty cool people. I hope they don't get into shit coinery. Of course, that is always our hope for all the people that have been along for this ride. And this morning's ride is now over. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by our friend Durgigi, that's at Durgigi, D-E-R-G-I-G-I, who reminds us with a picture that Bitcoin, the hashtag Bitcoin is trending in Austria, to which he says it's not surprising because Bitcoin is Austrian technology. Hey, Gigi, you sent it to me, bro. I just read them, okay? (coughs) Taking a swig of coffee there while I was doing that. So what have we learned, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, other little small teen children? Shit happens. So what are you going to do about it? Well, what did I do about it? I sat my ass down in a recorded podcast. I mean, do I feel great that we're back at 53,000? No. Is that okay? Yeah, it's totally fine to feel bad. It's totally fine. But losing complete heart because of all the bullshit that's going on just means that you're just going to go ahead and get out now before the next time and the next time and the next time it happens and the next time it happens. Cause this is, this is never going to stop. If you ever expected 
at one point or another that this that FUD would just end, that altcoins would just go away, that people would wake up and figure out that NFTs can be copied, at least in their present form, and that they're not secure at all because some most of them point just point to a URL or some IPFS pointer. Okay. If you thought any of this shit was going to go away, that Ray Dalio wasn't going to say one thing one day to make you happy and then say something completely opposite to make you sad, it's never going to go away. If you're in for the long haul, then you've got a hell of a ride. And if you just got in, if you're just now listening to me because you've, you've just found Bitcoin, do a couple of things. Buckle up, hold on for the ride, and Bitcoin does not need you to fix it, okay? I don't need another Kim.com or Roger Ver or Craig Wright. Oh, speaking of, Craig Wright got his panties in a wad, by the way, with the Elon Musk announcement saying that he wasn't going to accept any fork coins, and somebody screenshotted some shit of him going off on it saying that he's likely violated laws and and, and, and security violations and all kinds of shit. And it's just ridiculous to watch these people actually be taken seriously by more people than you would think. That is, this is another thing that's never going to go away. Craig Wright, unless he falls off a cliff in his rented Lambo, is never going to go away. Not until at least he dies of old age. And I hope he doesn't fall over a cliff. I mean, I, you know, I, actually, I'm not sure if I should hope that he lives to a ripe old age and die of natural causes because he's going to get a lot of people wrecked along the way, but I'm not going to wish for his untimely demise either. That ain't right. So, but the ride is really hard. And there are days when, when, when it's going to happen, where you're just going to go, fuck this shit, dude. But where else are you going to go? It's like, if you ever saw the movie Officer and a Gentleman, which was back in the 80s when Richard Gere was making a shit ton of movies as a younger man, he like there's a scene when he's like he's like trying to be a navy pilot and he finally just breaks and his drill sergeant's just giving him hell and finally the guy just is you just almost hear his spine snap and he just screams I got nowhere else to go. I none of us have anywhere else to go. And it's not I'm not saying don't invest in real estate. I actually rather kind of like real estate, but in the way that the markets are moving right now, I don't know what real estate actually looks like. I sure as shit am not going to start trading stocks and bonds. I don't even, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to spend the time on it because it's part of the legacy system that is, has done nothing but cause pain and suffering around the globe for decades. Decades. How much longer does the human spirit have to put up with something before they just let go? I guess we're going to find out. I hope we find out together and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.